We're two weeks out from the MLB draft, and as everybody's finalizing their mocks, there's some things that we definitely do know and some things that we definitely don't about this draft class. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On MLB listeners get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. So two weeks out from the MLB draft, and a lot of folks are dropping um, some of their next-to-last mock drafts. So the issue here is uh, national meetings haven't started yet. All of the scouts right now are either in Cary, North Carolina, because the college national team uh, is playing, as well as uh, the Prospect Development Pipeline League, which is next year's, like the 2023 high schoolers, are playing right now that wraps up on July 6th and so like everybody's either there or they're in the Cape Cod League which is obviously been going on for about a month now but most of the 2022 draftees are done playing games and so not a ton of new infos coming out until the national meetings we don't really find out the final word on signability and things like that so instead what we can do is we can look at some of the mock drafts that are out right now to try to figure out what do we know and what do we not know about this class. So I was looking at Baseball America and MLB.com. They both put out mock drafts over the weekend. And there's some consensus stuff here. So Drew Jones, the outfielder out of uh, Wesleyan High School in Georgia, um, he is projected to go number one overall to Baltimore. And the thing here is, if somebody tells you they know what Baltimore's doing, they're lying. So Baltimore has done recently what they have done with their high picks is they have taken a college player early so that they can save some money and turn around and get some talented prep prospects later in the draft and buy them out of their college commitments. Well, I'm not convinced that they need to cut a deal with the first pick and take a college player to save money. They have a draft pool of almost $17 million. They have $2 million more than the next largest draft pool, which is the Diamondbacks at 15.1. So I'm not convinced the Orioles need to go out and do that. And so if you're going to take the best player available, I think it's going to be Drew Jones. Now, reports are they've narrowed it down to just a few players. They've narrowed it down to um, Drew Jones, best player. Tamar Johnson's the make-a-deal guy. Uh, Jackson Holiday, Brooks Lee, and Elijah Green. That's the report. So those five guys are who are being considered number one overall. And them, and then you add in a couple more guys, and you'll get to like the first tier of players, and we know who they are, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But one of the things that we do know is that Andrew Jones 
if he does not go number one, he's definitely not going to fall any, I would imagine, any farther than three. You'd think the Diamondbacks would take him at two, but worst case scenario, the Rangers are going to take him at three. So that top three seems to be set. Uh, other things we do know, the picks in the teens, kind of a crapshoot. Don't really know what's going to happen. This is a place you'd see a lot of those pitchers. You'd see college pitchers. You'd see prep pitchers. You still may see a few prep pitchers, but we just don't really know what's going to happen as you get to the teens. Once you pass that clear group, that tier one group, uh, you have a couple upperclassmen hitters. You've got a Gavin Cross. You've got a Jacob Berry. Um, you've got a Daniel Susack in there. And it's it's a question of what's going to happen. There's consistent names. We've heard those names. We've heard Jace Young of Texas Tech. We've heard him in this group. Zach Neto of Campbell. We've heard him in this, this kind of tier three of guys around the teens. But we have no idea who's going to go where. Completely a crapshoot. Trying to figure this out. Uh, Dylan Lesko's a guy, the injured prep pitcher. Would have been in contention for number one overall pick had he been healthy. Had TJ, I could see him falling to the teens. Cole Young, the prep shortstop, can see him here in the teens. Brock Porter, um, prep pitcher, I can see him somewhere in the teens. But there's not a lot of clarity here, and it's because we have such a strictly delineated top seven. And I'll get to that in just a few minutes. And then uh, late in the first round, there's a belief from, if you look at the baseball America mock, you look at the MLB.com mock, a couple other mocks out there. There's a belief that we're going to have a run on college outfielders. So there's a group of about seven guys that keep getting mentioned towards the end of the first round in mocks. There's a Chase DeLouder from James Madison, Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert from Tennessee, both of them, even though they're significantly different players. Uh, Sterling Thompson from Florida. The belief is he's actually jumped Judd Fabian to be the first Florida outfielder taken. Uh, Dylan Beavers from Cal. Jacob Melton from Oregon State. Like these are all names that that are predicted to go. You know, maybe like nineteen or so. But a lot of it's the the early and late twenties, twenty two, twenty five, twenty seven, twenty eight. And so you're going to see your run on these hitters, and you'll know the runs over. Because every single mock I've seen and every projection I've seen that has this group of college hitters here in the late 20s, every single one of them closes that run with Brock Jones, the outfielder from Stanford. So so once you see Brock Jones, that's probably the end of that run. That's what everybody considers to be the end of that tier of players. Just a lot of college outfielders there. A lot of college hitters, and again, a place where if you had more healthy prep college pitchers, you would see some of them going here at the end of the first round uh, instead of falling later, but there's just not a ton of those guys. Uh, But all in all, these mocks from Baseball America and MLB.com, really interesting. Uh, Have some some picks in there that kind of go along with chalk. Um, Number five is something where Kevin Parada going to the Nationals kind of seems to be a consensus. Uh, The board's kind of fallen out that way with the top three kind of going in some order right there. And and the Nationals have done a ton of work as far as spending time on him, scouting him both in person and, and sending, you know, and getting reports, watching games, things like that. And the belief is that uh, Kevin Parada to five is... 
I'm gonna, not going to call it a lock, but as close to a sure thing as you're probably going to get the, you know, this far away from the draft without national meetings having happened yet. And in just a minute, I want to get into some of the other things that we do feel like we know with pretty, pretty good certainty at this point in time. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. If you want to build the engagement ring of her dreams, Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. And then Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. Or if you just want to celebrate life's special moments and you're looking for fine jewelry, but you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. They're available via phone or chat. I'm really curious to know if they'd answer at 3 in the morning. I know they're available 24-7. I wonder if you can only talk to them during business hours. I'd be cur- if, you, if you call Blue Nile for help with this, leave a com- uh, let us know in the comments below or tweet at us. Shows at Locked On Farm and let us know because we're curious about the experience. But Blue Nile's bench jewelers, yeah, they'll handcraft her perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. Um, and the the jewelry experts are available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every single budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked On Sports listeners get fifty dollars off a purchase of five hundred or more. And this podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use code Locked On. That's Code locked on on bluenile.com. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. Okay, so a couple things that we feel like we know. I touched on this a little bit in that first segment, but the top three for the most part is set. So, Drew Jones. Jackson Holiday, Elijah Green, in some sort of order. The belief is that Jones is going to go first. And then the belief is that Holiday's probably favored over Elijah Green based on where the board falls out. So Jackson Holiday, the shortstop out of um, Stillwater High School in Oklahoma, going number two, right behind him, Elijah Green, outfielder for IMG Academy uh, to the Rangers at three. So the first real decision is at number four. Now, kind of hedging a bit. I say real decision. There is a clear top tier of seven players. Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, Elijah Green, Cam Collier, Brooks Lee, Kevin Parada, and Tamar Johnson. That is the clear tier one of this draft. So I say the first real decisions at four it's kind of, we know it's going to come from that group. The question is, uh, what do the Pirates do at four? That's the decision point. We know that's a decision point. What we don't know is who they're going to choose. Um, Brooks Lee, Kyle Pauly, college shortstop. Uh, obviously, O'Neill Cruz just got called up. We love to see that, but we've talked about this before. Position does not matter in the first round. You go by talent. And so Cam Collier, the third baseman out of Chippewa Junior College, may be the choice here. Uh, 17 years old, he's in the Cape Cod League. He's playing pretty well. Uh, after he reclassified, went to college and played in spring at Chippewa Junior College. I mean, very impressive kid, and he's still only 17. So he has college experience, Cape Cod experience, and he's the age of a high schooler. 
very possible that he goes there. Like I said, five, Kevin Parada. That seems to be as close to a lock as you're going to get two weeks out. Obviously, things can change. They haven't had national meetings, but... So six and seven is some combination. Of, uh, like I said, you're doing Collier or Lee, Parada. Tamar Johnson's probably... like He's the last kind of guy in that top seven. And so... Outside of that, then you get the Twins at eight. And here's where you start asking questions. That second tier of players is Gavin Cross, Jacob Berry, um, Justin Crawford, the prep outfielder, uh, Jace Young. That's kind of a second tier thing there. And so we know these guys are going to go end of the single digits early in the teens. Um, But look at for number eight, the twins. The twins are the ones that really have to make the move for the next guy off the board. We still think it's going to be a bat. I'll get to that in the next segment. But what's going to happen there? Because that top seven seems to be set. And then other things that we think we know about this. So one, we know the Mets can take a risk. The Mets have two picks. They have the 11th and the 14th. 14th is their given pick. That's the pick that they they earned through their performance. The 11th pick is a compensation pick for not signing Kumar Rocker last year. So they had the 10th pick last year. They didn't pick him. You get a pick one spot behind that one in the next draft. Um, a lot more about Kumar Rocker in the next segment as well. But having the 11th and the 14th pick means that, one, your bonus pool is larger. Um, so the bonus pool for the Mets is about almost just under 14 million, whereas the Rockies right above them at 13.6 and the Tigers right behind them are at 8 million. And so it's kind of one of those because they have two top, uh, two top 15 picks. So bonus pool is much larger, but because of that, they have the financial means in the draft to go out and be aggressive. They can take a high risk, high reward kind of guy. Something like that. So that can happen, and it's probably going to happen given the profile of this uh, Mets team with 11 and 14 as high-risk, high-reward players. Um, The consensus is that the Braves at number 20 are going to take a college pitcher. Now, I feel pretty good about the college part. I think the pitching thing's going to work. So Alex Anthopoulos, GM of the Braves, uh, kind of memorably, two of his first three drafts as general manager, and this was in Toronto, his, his very first drafts, I want to say it was like 10, 11, and 12, or maybe it was 11, 12, 13. Anyway, um, he, signed, he signed one of those three players. He took two prep players that did not sign, and he took a college player that ended up being a bust. And so, kind of got burned a little bit, but I want to say it's since 2015, maybe? He's taken almost exclusively college players in the first round. It's, it's almost like he learned a lesson. He's like, let me just go for that higher floor. If it's a possibly a little bit shorter, a lower ceiling, that's fine. Uh, they're more projectable because they're more of a finished product than a prep player would be. So let's just go with that. Uh, the question kind of comes down to who is it going to be? So looking at the board, looking at guys that are expected to be there, the names that I've seen, the favorites in the clubhouse, if you will, uh, Cooper Yerpe from Oregon State, the lefty, and Gabriel Hughes from Gonzaga, the righty. 
Um, probably your two best favorites to go at number 20. Uh, and I say that because, one, we've talked about the depth. The college pitching just not being there this year. There's other guys that could come up there. A Blade Tidwell, for instance. And that's a situation where had some, you know, started the season late because of injury, came back, played really well. The Braves took a high velo righty last year who was coming off a of TJ. Um, and it looked like did it the fourth round last year, and it looked really good because that guy is Spencer Strider. There's a difference in doing that in the fourth round and doing that in the first round. But still a, a scenario where the Braves go out and get a college pitcher at 20. That seems to kind of be a, just about every single mock I've seen has the Braves connected to a college pitcher at 20. Uh, again, I kind of feel like you're looking at a Daniel at a Gabriel Hughes or a Cooper Herpy, but there are other options as well. But college pitcher seems to be the thing. In just a minute, I want to get to all of the questions that we don't know the answers to because spoiler alert, there's a lot, but it's really not that much more than any other year, and there's some really interesting stuff that could happen. Uh, But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it is virtually impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock every part that you need. You're going to go in there, and they're going to ask you all those questions like, hey, is this an LX or an EX? Is it a sport? Does it have this package or that package? You're going to keep running back outside to take pictures of of labels or searching through the owner's manual to try to answer this stuff just for them to go walk into the giant room behind them. That's only like half lit. I don't understand how every, the back of every auto parts store is like not lit up. They're going to walk back there, check all their shelves and then come back and say, Hey, we don't have the part. I'm going to order it for you. And the warehouse carries exactly one brand. So that's the one you're getting. You have no choice. And so rather than doing all of that, finding a way with a broken car to get to the auto parts store and do all of that stuff and then wait for it to come in the mail, just go to rockauto.com. You have a computer in your pocket that can do this. Save time, save money, because Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving DIYers for over 20 years with reliably low prices for every single customer. So you go to the website, you put in the information about the vehicle, and boom, it pops up every single part they have uh, separated by category, transmission, you know, engine, Whatever, uh, I, I I bought my wife some touch-up paint, and I it, it said okay, what's the what's the exact color? And I'm like, I don't know the exact color. I said okay, t- take a picture of this label. Here's where it is on your car, and here on the the end of the label, here's the code that we need to tell you exactly what it is. So I go and I I go out to the car, get the picture, put it in on the website. Boom, it pops up. This is the exact kit you need. Here's who sells it on our website. Uh, the perfect color, it's the applicator, the uh, the clear coat, protected, everything, done. Very simple, very easy, shipped right to my house, a lot better than going to the store and having to run in and out, in and out five times, answering questions and waiting in line for 30 minutes. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, I mentioned things we don't know the answers to. A lot of questions here. Thing number one, when will the first pitcher come off the board? One of the questions of the draft to me, and the reason that it is, is because the draft has been a thing since 1965. That was the first year that we had it. 
And we have never had a draft without a college, I'm sorry, without a pitcher in the top 10 picks. Never, never happened. Now, we came close. So Nick, Nick Lodolo in 2019 was a seventh overall pick by the Reds out of TCU, and he was the only pitcher in the top 10 that year. We, there is a chance that that could happen again this year, that we could go, or correction, that we could go 10 picks and not have a pitcher. I kind of, working backwards a little bit, I kind of worked out who in that top 15 or so picks I think could be in the market for a pitcher. Uh, number 13, the Angels took 20 pitchers last year. 19 of them were college pitchers. They signed 18 of the 19 college pitchers and the prep pitchers. So they signed 19 of their 20 pitchers last year. Obviously, you kind of feel like they're still a favorite to get a pitcher at 13 this year. Um, 12, the Tigers. I think the Tigers are a candidate to get a pitcher if one of the hitters doesn't fall. So if somebody above them takes a pitcher, you run into a scenario where um, one of those hitters in that that tier, the Gavin Cross, Jace Young, Jacob Berry tier, falls to them. So Detroit may just go out and get that guy. But if not, I think they could take a pitcher. And specifically, I think Brock Porter, the righty out of Orchard Lake, Michigan, this is probably uh, the, the highest that I could see him going. But I could see him at 12. Simply because, one, to the Tigers, he's a local kid. And then two, it's something where that's just how the board kind of shakes out. If if the the that third tier of hitters whether it's the college guys like Cross and Barry or it's the prep guys like um like Crawford, Cole Young, things like that. If they're if they're gone when Detroit picks, I like Detroit taking a pitcher there and I like them taking Brock Porter because of the obvious fit with the local kid. Um 11, the Mets, again, high risk, high reward, very much a chance the Mets can take one of those two picks and go grab a pitcher. Uh, and then number nine is the Royals. And I think this is really the wild card. We do not know what the Royals are going to do. And in just about every single mock that I've seen so far, uh, at number nine, this is where everybody puts like the, oh, it might get wacky. This draft might get weird. You know, Royals are going to throw a curveball here. So no idea what's going to happen. It could be Justin Crawford. Could be Brock Porter. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think this is the spot. If anybody's going to take a pitcher in the top 10, it's probably right here at number nine. So if it doesn't happen here, the Rockies probably aren't doing it, and you're probably not getting a pitcher in the top 10 for the first time in history. Uh, One of the things that will affect that is how teams feel about Kumar Rocker. Big delta uh, between mocks of where people think Kumar Rocker is. We did find out over the weekend he had a minor scope on his right shoulder last year in September. So the word was the Mets did not want to sign him because of the the elbow. They didn't like what they saw in the medicals. They did not give him a a signable offer. So apparently he had a shoulder injury and had a minor scope on it. Teams have gotten notes on the procedure. They do not have imaging. He did not submit medicals to, to MLB, so... Coincidentally, he is not covered by the Kumar Rocker rule, uh, the new Kumar Rocker rule. So um, teams do not have imaging, but he's been pitching in the Frontier League, and he's pitched very well. Five 
five outings, 20 innings pitched, 135 ERA, 32 walks to four, other 32 strikeouts to four walks. And his final outing that he pitched, because he's he's done. He said he was finished after that one. Five innings pitched, two hits, one walk, no runs, seven strikeouts. The very nice 69 pitches, 44 of them for strikes. So looks like he's doing just fine. Results are there. The question on Kumar Rocker is more of a long-term health thing. Like, how long do you think, without access to the medicals, to the imaging, how long do you think his shoulder and elbow are going to last with whatever scared the Mets off? And is that length of time you project it, is that enough to justify taking a first-round pick and spending on a Kumar Rocker? Another guy who there's questions about where he's going to end up pitching-wise, Carson Wisenhunt. Eastern Carolina was suspended for the year for a, a banned substance. I believe the implication was it was a steroid. I don't know. Uh, but he's been pitching in the Cape Cod League, and he's one of those guys where you really have to, you can't just scout off the box score in this situation because his box score is, um, well, it's bad. So... Four outings so far, 16 total innings pitched. ERA is 7.87, 21 strikeouts to six walks. His most recent outing, five innings pitched, three hits, one run, two walks, two strikeouts. He took the loss because his team lost one to nothing. So the strikeout to walk ratio is there. The stuff is there. They have TrackMan in the Cape Cod League, so all the reports come out of that. The stuff is there. He looks like the pitcher that he was in college last year. And so the question is just how much do you think the layoff is going to hurt him? Um, Kind of a wild card, but unlike a lot of these players, almost everybody actually, he is still playing and has a chance to push himself up the board. So can you imagine if he goes out there um, in a week or so and throws up seven perfect innings against the best team in the Cape Cod League, what that's going to do to his draft stock? So he is a guy who is, is competing and is has a chance to climb the board still between now and the draft. A guy who's already done the plane and has climbed the board up plenty, and the question is where is he going to stop climbing, is Cade Horton. So right-hand pitcher on Oklahoma, uh, the darling of the College World Series, and kind of see him as the ceiling is late first round. I don't have him anywhere past maybe 20 to Atlanta if Atlanta decides to take, um, I th- again, Same kind of profile as Spencer Strider last year, although, again, fourth rounder versus first rounder is a little bit different of a risk profile to do that on. Fireworks aren't over yet, really? All right, cool. So um, here's the thing about Cade Horton. So Tommy John in 2021 lost his 2020 because the year was suspended. So, uh, And then this year, he started at third base and didn't actually take the mound in a game until March 29th. So in his college career, he has 53 and two-thirds innings pitched. That's it. Very, very, like, I mean, less than one full season of starting sample size. But recency bias, right? The uh, the five appearances in the postseason, 31 innings pitched, 2-6-1 ERA with 49 strikeouts. So... Doesn't have a ton of innings, but the ones he have are really good. The ones he has, they're really good. And so it's when you're looking at his stuff, his stuff looks really good. So fastball, 94 to 96, it can touch 98. It's got some arm side run to it. 
Slider's a plus slider in the mid-80s. It's got like two-plane break to it, uh, and then a curveball and a changeup. And so Cade Horton's one of those guys really intrigued to see how far he climbs and where he ultimately goes because he was a guy that we were talking about maybe if he was lucky would have been a day three pick, but almost certainly was going to have to go back to college. We just didn't have any tape on him. And this is around the end of the regular season. And then in the postseason, he just goes nuclear. And now everybody loves us a Cade Horton. So really curious to see where he goes. Uh, And really curious to, or really excited to bring you guys the rest of the week this week. Lots of great stuff coming up. We have some crossovers with some MLB shows. Uh, where they're talking about the trade deadline, about the draft coming up, and some of their prospects and how they're doing. Obviously, we're going to keep doing a Farm Friday, talking about farm systems, mailbags coming up. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. But until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Um.